Hey everybody and uh, welcome to another podcast and as you know at this stage I speak to people in music that I've come across maybe recently or maybe a while ago but people that have impressed me and certainly have my respect. Uh, my guest on today's show he's someone that yeah came into my life a while ago uh, and outside circumstances uh, created a friendship and we're doing this just a day or two afterwards him playing the harvest blues festival in monaghan it's my honor to introduce to you the one and only anthony gomes how are you anthony oh jerry i'm feeling great i'm in monaghan ireland the weather is beautiful the people are in good spirits because they've uh been uh, treated to some incredible music with over 40 bands um, which was curated by you and um, and and your excellent choices and um, it's just been a wonderful experience so I'm in a great place I'm getting ready to um, perform tonight at something called the Survivors Jam and uh, and then I just met the mayor of Monaghan went went to uh, her house and uh, so I, I feel like uh, I'm uh, very, very blessed, yes. He's actually talking about my mother, Kathleen, so she'd be very <laughs> glad to know she's been promoted to the, to the mayor of Monaghan Town. <laughs> well, she, she's certainly the mayor of my heart, anyway, that's for sure. Anthony, just, you know, for the benefit of people listening here, you know, how did you get involved in music, or when did you decide it was your path? How, what got you interested in going the musical route? I've always loved music, um, and when I was a baby, I would be up at night crying, and my mother realized if she played music, and one album in particular, I would go to sleep right away, and the album was called 1000 Guitars, and, um, and even as a kid, I loved music, and um, well, when I was six, I bought Kiss Alive One and Elvis Aloha from Hawaii, you know, I, and I used to love listening to the radio, and I particularly liked the moments before the singer would start singing because I would try to come up with words and melody and create a song not knowing what that song was. And I did that at a very young age, um, so I realized that that was just, I had an aptitude for that, or it was an, an, a natural love. And um, as time went on, I never had an instrument or played one for a long time, and it was just a passion, but it was never something I thought I would pursue. And then my dad bought me a guitar on my 14th birthday, a little acoustic guitar. And I thought at that moment, well, I had friends that could play Stairway to Heaven and Whole Lot of Love and Back in Black on the guitar. So I thought, well, it's too late for me to do this professionally, but I can just do it out of the love of playing music. And next thing you know, you're banging away and, um, well, then I'm in high school and a couple of years later there's band night and, well, well, let's put together a little band. And we did uh, Heartbreaker, Communication Breakdown and Smoke on the Water. And it was a Catholic school. So uh, we had to run all the songs by the nuns. And, um, and there's a, a line in uh, Communication Breakdown where Robert Plant goes, suck. And they said, boys, you can't say that. And we said, well, what about squeeze my lemon? Can we say that? They, 
And they were so naive that they said, oh, yes, that's, that's, yes, that's, that's not bad at all. Um, so we thought that was a victory because we had beat the censorship board of the nuns. And um, in our minds, we had triumphed with something that was far far more uh nasty so uh so yeah so that's where that's where the music journey took us and and when i was sitting there playing that first gig i was so nervous and so scared and the whole time i said please god let this be over please god let this be over oh my god i'm so nervous i'm so nervous i'm so nervous and then when it got done i said i can't wait to do that again it was the biggest thrill ride ever and um, and I haven't looked back since, really.
And tell me something at the time, like you were saying, you know, uh, Deep Purple, Led Zeppelin, stuff like that. You're very much influenced by the blues. When did that take place? Or even, I know you, you know you knew BB King. So how did that all come about? Well, my high school music teacher had this great saying. He said, "People don't know what they like; they like what they know." And I knew that I liked Led Zeppelin, and I knew that I liked Jimi Hendrix. By like, I mean love, you know. Um, And I I knew that I liked Bad Company and um, all these bands. I knew I liked Van Halen and Eric Clapton and Cream and well, Rolling Stones. And as I was researching this, they always had mentioned that it was the blues. And it was the blues aspect that I loved. To me, I love a combination of soulfulness married to passion and power. To me, that pushes my hot buttons. When something's charging at you, but it's doing it in such an emotional way, that is the perfect combination. Um, So I began my journey into blues, and I said, you know, I love classic rock, but they're all talking about blues people. I should really buy a blues album. So I lived in the suburbs of Toronto. I took two buses and a subway and I went to downtown Young Street and they had a big, big record store called Sam the Record Man. And this record store is in a lot of movies that they shot in Toronto in the 90s and 80s and very famous record store. Well, they put all the good stuff on the third floor, jazz, blues and classical music. So you had to climb upstairs in this old building and go into the sacred hall of music. And so there it was, and there were CDs. And I went to B.B. King and I didn't know what to pick. I, you know, at this time there really wasn't an internet. You couldn't research best blues albums. And for $5.99 on CD, I bought Live at the Regal by B.B. King. And there was a sticker that said, uh, the greatest blues album of all time. I thought, well, If you're going to start somewhere, start here. I took it with me, took the subway and two buses back home, got home, put it on the CD player, and my world was rocked and changed. And I'll tell you why. Because everything that I had loved, I better understood. I understood Jimi Hendrix better. I understood Eddie Van Halen better. I understood Richie Blackmore better because I was going to the source. And prior to that, I had felt like I was on the outside looking in with music. If music was a house, prior to listening to B.B. King, I was looking through the window trying to peer in. Now I was inside the house and I better understood. Another analogy I make is to me, blues rock or classic rock is amazing. And I love it as much as blues to this day. But it's like apple pie. And the thing that I really loved about apple pie was the apple. And now with the blues, I was listening to the music in its pure form. Just the apple. No sugar, no cinnamon, no crust, you know, no effects, no delay, no overdrive. None of the stuff that rock music does. Just the pure apple. And that's why I was eating the apple pie was just to get to the fruit. And that was what the blues was. At that moment, I was born. To me, 
The next journey of 25 years was trying to understand these two things. And was I blues? Was I rock? Well, boy, I really love Buddy Guy. But boy, I really love Billy Gibbons too. And people in the industry saying, well, you're too rock for blues. You're too blues for rock. Calm down the rock, you know, and, and you, you can play more blues festivals. And okay, well, how's your, uh, no, that guitar playing is too rock, you know. Well, after 13 albums of wrestling with all of this, I decided on my 14th album that I was going to be 100% who I was. And I didn't give a damn if I'd be on a blues festival anymore. I didn't give a damn if blues radio would play what I was doing. And I called the album High Voltage Blues because it, I thought of my music as what if B.B. King was in ACDC. And I borrowed High Voltage from ACDC and I borrowed blues from the love of my blues. And that was my declaration of independence. This is who I am. Um, if I want to finger tap on the guitar and play fancy stuff, if I want to play with overdrive, that's fine. But I'm going to be who I am no apologies. And after working so hard for 13 albums, with, which was met with some success, this album has just gone through the roof because people appreciate honesty. And it's taken a lot of courage to be this honest with my art because you're also trying to keep the lights on and pay the bills. But I guess I figured since I survived COVID with a modest amount of money coming in, I could survive anything. I was going to do this, man. I was going to throw the gloves down, as you say in hockey, and go for it. And um, the reaction has been overwhelming because I think for the first time, I am not, wouldn't say censoring myself, but giving people my vision. And since then, I've had interviews in Vintage Guitar Magazine and uh, various publications and podcasts, and people are saying, well, it's sort of like you've created your own lane because it's like equal parts hard rock and, and blues. And I, the thing I realize is my father is Portuguese and my mom is French-Canadian and that I feel equal love for both my parents. I feel equal comfort with both heritages. I can hang out with my mom's French-Canadian family and I can hang out with my dad's Portuguese family and they can tell me how great Portugal is and my mom's family will tell me how great, you know, um, the French culture is and I can experience that. And that is, they are both a part of who I am. At the same time, I'm my own person too, which is a marriage of that DNA and that experience. So that's a very long answer to your question, but that has been my journey and it might be the longest chapter one in any book ever. <laughs> what you also had the privilege to meet B.B. and he become your mentor, isn't that true too, I think? He became a wonderful mentor, not only to me, but so many people. And, um, you know, I was in college and I really loved learning. I learned, I loved academics. Um, at the same time, I loved to please my parents and they weren't real supportive of me being a musician. But I said, okay, well, I like to go to school, so I'm just going to learn. And I'm really just killing time until my music career happens. Um, and I realized I could study 
blues music in college. So I wrote my master's thesis on the racial and cultural evolution of blues music. And I wanted to understand how, you know, a white guy from Canada could fit in playing blues. You know, I had a bit of an imposter syndrome. And, you know, I, I, I make a joke where I say, you know, being Canadian and white is sort of like being white twice. And, uh, you know, here's this twice white guy trying to play the blues music. Did I have a right to play this? Um, and what I've come to realize is that the blues is such a beautiful, inclusive music. It started from a place of intolerance and prejudice and that a beautiful thing was born. And the legacy of this and the power of the blues is just how human it is and just how real it is and how universal it is. And in fact, Bobby McFerrin, the great vocalist, has even said that the only scale that the entire world can understand, he would do this thing where he would test all around the world intervals. And the only scale that everybody understood was the blues scale. It's the most universal choice of notes. It's the most simple choice of notes. Um, and it's the one that resonates the greatest. Friday night Johnny's getting married Had to send him off right Told the girls we were going To the fishing hole But we went to the nightclub Where the girls danced on a pole We partied all night long And headed back on our way But waiting in the parking lot Was Johnny's fiance. Cheap perfume the morning of our wedding night He said, I'm sorry, baby I'll never tell another lie She said, how you gonna look? I'll preach her in the eye He said, take me to that preacher now And jumping in holy water Cause I've been sticking dollar bills Down the G-string of his daughter Now you can color me true. Got caught red-handed. 
you actually, I suppose, because he, he was your mentor and you said he mentored lots of people, but I think you had a fairly deep connection with him too in so many ways. There was words of advice he gave you and things. I'm sure you'd like to share that, what he told you about the blues. Well, so when I was in college, I went to a jam night and uh, I met his bus driver at the jam. I got up, I played a couple of songs um, and they give you a beer if you would jam. If you were really good, you'd get two beers. If you were really hot, you know. So it was a two beer night and I was feeling good and um, I was a broke college student, so two beers was, you know, a great, great form of payment. And this guy came up to me and he said, who's your favorite guitar player? I said, that's easy, B.B. King. I still remember saying that to him, yeah. plain as, that's easy. He said, I thought so, I'm his bus driver, and I want you to meet him. And so the next day I went to meet B.B. King. I wore my Sunday best. I wore dress pants and a nice shirt and a blazer. I made business cards that said, Anthony Gomes, professional blues guitarist. What professional, like I look back and I laugh, I go, a professional would never use the word professional in their business card. Only some little kid that's trying to do their best, right? So, and I, I gave it to him and he said, may I keep this? I said, absolutely. And what was not lost on me was his humility, his grace, his respect, his humanity. I've not met a greater person in my life, period. And he sat at a table and there were a line of people, I mean, a hundred deep. And it was like a sort of meeting royalty. Now they were meeting the King of the Blues. They came up to him. He had two stacks of eight by tens photos and he said which did you like better one was a headshot and one was a shot with his guitar they would pick one and he would sign it and he would give it to them and the his bus driver lamar sanford said we have to lie to him and say that's the only people that want to meet him because he would be up till 4 or 5 a.m and not get the proper rest because he wanted to meet everybody so they waited till everybody was done. And he said, hey, Bibi, this is the young man I was telling you about. And so he gave me advice. And, and not only then, but later on. And he would tell me things like, um, the blues are the laws of the land. They have to be amended to the times we live in. And he explained all these people that he had listened to and, and, and the things that he had done to change the blues, wearing suits it wasn't like dirty blues um a, a, a string section in the thrill is gone like all these things that weren't equated with blues music that he tried to give it class and dignity and that was what he tried to do and he said you go play your blues you go play your blues and i you know i said well we're a little bit more rock and roll he said it doesn't matter my blues was different you go play your blues so Although it took us 14 albums to get to where we really were, along the way, I was less hesitant to push that side of things because I thought to myself, well, if it's okay for B.B. King, then it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. He also said this great thing to me where he said, you know, as you get bigger, you'll be able to get better musicians and you'll be able to hire more qualified people. But when you hire somebody, remember this, 70% of a musician 
with hard work can become 90% of a musician. 70% of a person will always be 70% of a person. Very wise, wise words. And um, yeah, so it, it, it was great, you know. And then later on, this is like maybe 10 years later, we're doing another set of dates with him. We end up opening up for him on a number of tours for maybe four or five dates. So he said, uh, Anthony, how's the tour going? And we would meet and have coffee or tea and just talk. And I'm thinking, I got so comfortable with the man that after a while I had to go, this is B.B. King. I'm very comfortable talking with and casual. Like I'd have to check myself like, because he was just so personable. And he said, how is the tour going? I said, I'm having a horrible time. He said, what? What's wrong? What's going on? He was not expecting that answer. I said, well, I'll tell you what's happening. And it's very embarrassing. He said, okay. I said, well, we get on. We do our show. My friends come to see the show. And then you get on. And they see where I stole all my licks from. I said, this is very embarrassing for me because I can see where I stole everything from. And he said, don't say steal, say borrow. And then he, uh, he told me about all the people he borrowed from. Blind Lemon Jefferson, just talking about all these artists that influenced him. And, you know, and he said, the only, he said, people don't know these people well, so they assume that I created this. But I just borrowed from two or three people. Charlie Christian was another guy that he really liked. And, um, you know, so, uh, you know, T-Bone Walker. And he said, I just put all those things together. And um, so, yeah, we got a good laugh about it. You know, he was very, he's had a great sense of humor.